Can you name a city that hosted a game at the 2002 World Cup? Should we say Tokyo? Out straight away. Whoa! What? Oh, what are the greatest answers of all time? OTB AM. Live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This week on Garda Síochána with ambassadors from all around Ireland have launched the hashtag Slowdown campaign. This Garda initiative is to encourage all motorists to slow down on our roads. As of June 21st, 82 people have been killed on our roads so far this year. A stark and worrying figure. The aim of this campaign is to encourage all road users to modify their behaviour on our roads and to encourage all age groups to think about road safety and how they can influence the behaviour of others. In recent years, Ireland has reduced road deaths through a collective effort and we all have a role to play in saving lives. You can follow on Garda Síochána's Facebook page at Garda Traffic, or, uh, sorry, it's at Garda Traffic on Twitter and Garda Insta on Instagram this week to help share this vital message and the hashtag is Slow Down. Joining us to talk more about this campaign is Tipperary's own Porik Mar. Porik, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Good lads and yourselves? Yeah. Campaigns like this... Um, having somebody to come out and talk about it uh, who actually understands what it means on a day-to-day basis like yourself it, it's really important uh, when you get asked to do something like this are you absolutely happy to lean into it and say yeah I'm, I'm happy to be the face of this we should all be slowing down on the roads yeah definitely Ger. Um, obviously it is part of my job day in day out um, dealing with instances like this unfortunately but um, yeah look it's vital and Look, um, Garda Síochána don't, don't just pull these um, campaigns, you know, out of the sky. Really, need, like, you know, there's stats behind these reasons why they are. And unfortunately, there's been 83 this year so far, and we're only coming to the end of June. Like, so, um, you know, that's too, way too many for any given year, never mind for six months. So, um, yeah, it's very important, I suppose, that I suppose everyone in the community, you know, all our friends, our family, our colleagues are aware and, you know, you know, keep in mind that, you know, it is a big need for us all just to slow down. Um, you know, speed limits are there for the reason, Ger, and I know we all kind of give up at times and, you know, you might have your, your, your friend or that giving out that they were caught with a speed man or something, but they're there for a reason and they're saving lives every day in, day out. So, um, yeah, it is vital that we're all aware of this campaign and I suppose I just urge everyone to to be aware of it and, and, and pass the word around and, we've all seen in social media the last few days so um, hopefully everyone's become more aware the the thing about road traffic accidents is that for most people it's uh, an item on the news bulletin or it's on your Google Maps telling you it flashes red because there's been an accident and so therefore try and avoid the area for you guys who it is part of your day to day job you actually go to the scene of the, the accident and you see the devastation for the people who get killed but also for those people who survive and have life changing injuries yeah, like it's not, and I suppose, and clearly, thankfully, everyone doesn't don't, doesn't have to deal with it too much. But we see it day in day out, as you were saying, Ger. And it's not nice when you're going meeting families, you know, of of people that have been injured or are even killed in accidents. And you know, it's it's just not a nice place to be, and it's not a nice place for it's not a nice situation for a family to be put in or a friend to be put in. You know, we've had colleagues being in, in the same instance, so. Like I suppose it's not till then that it really opens your eyes and, and how much it hits someone and you know, it's just very important that, you know, something simple like for us all just to slow down, you know, be aware of, of our behaviour on the roads, um, you know, slowing down with speed limits, you know, mobile phone, use in the car, you know, all them small things can make a big difference, you know, to all our lives. And um yeah, exactly. Once you don't see once you see once we see it firsthand in the 
really opens your eyes to you know the hurt and devastation it can cause. Yeah, um, you know, so it's very important that we can keep the, the collisions down if we can at all as a community. I was I was driving home yesterday from the Irish Open, and there was an item on the news about uh, a coroner hearing in Donegal Town about an accident that had happened in Bondoran and just the details of it. Um, you know, they were travelling at 121 kilometres an hour and, like, I looked around me and there was loads of people travelling around that same pace. I can tell you I slowed down straight away. Immediately, I was like, OK, there's literally no point in this. I think sometimes we're a bit reluctant to talk about just how horrific the outcomes will be and the difference that 40 kilometres an hour makes between 80 and 120 or between 80 and 40 kilometres an hour in the, in the right zones. And actually... I don't know, maybe maybe people just tune out, maybe it just becomes noise in the background, road deaths and, and how we report on them and how we talk about them. But I, I think it's really important that, you know, the first hand accounts that you guys give of, of that devastation of knocking on somebody's door and telling them that their loved one has passed away in a car accident, that maybe if we do a bit more of this it might help people slow down. Yeah, you'd be hoping that's the reason why the campaign is there and make everyone aware and um look, I suppose if you just talk to someone who is, you know, being under the receiving end of bad news um, in relation to someone, a friend or a colleague or a family member being involved in an accident uh, who has been seriously injured or, or tragically killed. You know, it's not nice. And like, you know, speed limits are there for the reason, no matter if you're going through a 60 kilometre zone and you're going 70 kilometres through it, it's 60 kilometres for a reason. And look, I've been through accidents over the years um, through my work that, you know, you've been speaking with, you know, um, traffic collision investigators and you know and things like that and they'd be saying that you know 10 kilometers can make such a difference to either you know saving a person's life or someone getting tragically killed you know so um look you just hope everyone become aware this week of of the reasons why on Gardaí Connor are I suppose driving this campaign this week um you know 83 people in six months is a, is too many people like and um you know hopefully we can we can we can bring the numbers down majorly over the next over the next couple of weeks and months yeah no 100% 100% um that's your day job you're you're uh, the reason that everybody knows you in Ireland is because you were one of the best hurdlers of your generation how are you finding no longer identifying as an intercounty hurdler what's that whole period been like for you to to get back into civilian life yeah it's been strange George, to be honest with you um I suppose I'm getting used to it a bit now, just trying to fill the void of, I suppose that bit, that routine I had for for so long. You know, um, being involved in a in a high performance setup with Tipperary, you know. So um, yeah, it's strange, but look, I'm getting to do a lot of other things in my life now, and I'm enjoying going to all the matches. I've been to so many games this year um, with Tip not even being involved. You know, so it's great to be able to go and just sit back and relax and actually watch the games and I suppose analyse them and, and try and understand what other teams do we getting up to so um, I'm really enjoying it and uh, yeah looking forward to the weekend's games now again myself Are you going to those games as a potential future coach or potential future manager is that in your head are you going just as a Hurling fan what, what's your how have you how have you settled in how would you classify yourself when you're there in the stands Yeah look I suppose I'd be going I prefer if Tipperary were there, George, to be honest with you, to go support him. But um, unfortunately, that's not working out this year. But no, definitely as a hurling fan, and you're number one. But as as I said there, look, you'd be looking kind of with a, with a, with a kind of a, a coach's hat on in a way to see what teams are getting up to, how they're setting up, you know, matchups, you know, how how players are, how we'll say if Kilkenny are going to do with Tony Kelly, etc. So look, it's, it's intriguing that kind of way, and I suppose I'm only out of the scene, so. I kind of I have some sort of understanding of what way teams will go about it. So um, it's kind of interesting for me to go and analyse in that certain way. But yeah, mostly just being a hurling fan and 
being able to go to these games with no pressure and being able to go and enjoy them and, and, and watch them, you know, it's, it's 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 a different experience, but it's one I'm enjoying. Did, did you get to the Tipperary games this year and did you enjoy them? I did own, yeah, I got to them. Um, to be honest with you, I didn't enjoy many of them, to be honest with you. Uh, I went down to the first one, Blow and Walsh Park, and, you know, it was actually tough to watch it for myself because it, was, it really hit me that day, the first time that I wasn't really involved watching the lads uh, run out on the pitch that day, but I suppose the ball was turning and, you know, my brother playing and that, so my my thoughts and, and feelings kind of turned straight away into be a supporter and, and trying and support lads as best I could. And unfortunately, I've been, I've been I went to the rest of the games this year and it didn't turn out great for us. But um, yeah, disappointing year from from a temporary perspective, to be sure. Um, yeah, hopefully there's a lot of learnings for for a few people in it now. To be honest with you, are you quiet in the in the stands? Are you shouting? What what how how? Does that work? Are you like, oh, look, I've, I've been out there. I don't want anybody shouting. Or are you like screaming and yelling and roaring? Yeah, I suppose I, I'd be kind of, I'd be kind of trying to support him from a point of view that I know what what the players are going through, and what they're dealing with, whether things are going good or going or not going so good. So, um, but I do find myself I'll be jumping off the seat a good bit, all right. And you know, you just you know, some players can probably do better, and you're you're probably you know trying to encourage them to do that bit better but, I'd uh, say they still recognise your voice as well they're like hang on a second what's going on where, where did that come from <laughs> oh, I don't know that, but I don't, they're probably saying what's that Egypt doing here now when does again I thought he was gone but <laughs> um, but yeah I know it's, it's a surreal experience this year to be honest with you and uh, look I, make, I was talking to Ken McGrath a few, a, few, a few months ago when I retired and he said to me once you get the first year out of the way the rest will be everything else will be fine you'll be like any normal supporter so hopefully he's right <laughs> Does sound like you're interested in management, though. Yeah, maybe so. It's like, like um, I suppose I'm just helping out my club at home there now at the moment, and uh, just to get a taste for it and see what, do I enjoy it, and maybe it's not something I might enjoy. Or you know, already I see there's so much work involved in being in, involved in a management team, even with even with just the club. So um, we'll see how it goes this year, and, and and we'll go from there. But but yeah, look, as I said, you're 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 just I suppose it's naturally in me to go and, and watch these games. I suppose just to see what way teams are setting up and how they're going about their business, you know. Uh, we were just chatting before you came on air about the the semi-finals this weekend, and I'd say the Galway camp internally completely does not reflect the conversation that's happening around the country this week, which seems to be how many points are, are Limerick going to win by. Just for, from your own experience, like I mean, you beat Limerick in in 2019 at the end of the round robin before losing the, the Munster final and then uh, last year obviously you had a good old lead against them at, at half time didn't get the job done in the end there, there was I guess an element of that tip team your tip team that knew what to do at least against Limerick so what can Galway do this weekend when, when you take your own experiences into it yeah um, I suppose they're coming off they, 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 they beat them below on the Gaelic grounds in the start of the year in the league and Everyone was kind of vying them up to be this, you know, the physicality of Galway will, will match and beat possibly beat Limerick. Um, like personally, myself, I just I'm so I'm finding it so hard to find a way of or a reason why Galway are going to win the game. To be honest with you, um, I just think the big thing for Limerick was to get through that monster championship. There was a few a few games there which would have been tricky for them, and they were coming off, I suppose, a reasonably poor league campaign by their standards. But they passed that month's championship flying colours and I just can't see them. You know, I think 2019 against Kilkenny is going to be ringing in their ear um, for the last few weeks since the monster final of when they slipped up 
against Kilkenny um, and got caught in that semi-final. I just think that that's going to stand to him this year. They have a lot of the same players involved. Um, and I just don't see the a form coming from Galway from the last few games. Um, I thought they got very lucky against Cork. Um, to come through, Cork didn't take all their chances. But in saying that then, lads, I'd, like, you know, as a player then, you'd love to be in the Galway dressing room all the same because you're coming in, there's no one giving you a chance. You know, it's backs against the wall. You're against the Ireland champions and you've beaten them already this year in the league. So you know you have a way of beating them. Um, you know, you have the players that can beat them. It's just a matter of getting the performance out of them. But they're all going to have to give unbelievable man of the match performances, I feel, for them to, to get over the line. Like, like, what, what is that way? Like, what does a Galway win look like in your head if it happens this weekend? Um, well, I think Galway, looking through, through Henry, since Henry's taken over, you know, they all, they're all big physical men and they'll all match the Limerick lads probably in height and weight and strength and things like that. Um, it's just a matter of trying to get but the bodies back into the middle zone of the pitch, I think, um, where Limerick do a lot of their damage and turnovers and, and, and things like that. I think Galway are going to have to use their physicality there a lot, uh, win that middle third of the pitch. You know, you see Cotton Mannion going back down the pitch, turning over ball in his own, in his own half back line. You know, Joe Cooney's back there. You know, Connor Cooney moving back and just getting the ball into hopefully Connor Whelan inside, um, who could do the damage. But they're going to, he's going to need support. You know, there's a lot of pressure being on his shoulders the last, you know, just definitely this year and the last couple of years for Galway, especially with Joe gone. So, just need to give him, I suppose, get the bodies behind the ball, turn it over, but also get support into Conor Whelan as quick as they can um, because we know Limerick are not going to move too much. They're going to hold their shape as best they can. So they're going to need support for Conor Whelan. But um, it's, it's going to be a massively physical game in the middle third, I think, lads. And uh, it's just whoever will come out on top of that, um, you know, will win the game, obviously. But um, yeah, God, we're going to need to, to have all, all guns firing on, on Sunday, I feel, to, to get over the line. Um, when you think back to that Munster final, and the second half performance of Limerick in particular, like everybody talks about the All-Ireland final being their signature performance, but they were so good in that second half against you guys. What was the difference between the first and the second half? Now in retrospect, is there anything you can pinpoint and go, okay, they did something slightly different that caused us, uh, I don't know, whatever. We, we couldn't respond, that gave them the space or was it just like a masterpiece from Limerick? I think structurally in the second half, they were definitely more um, stable at, at their back and midfield. Um, I thought their midfielders sat out a bit. So they invited us to, I suppose, their forwards were putting enough pressure on our backs and midfielders to hit the ball longer to them. So they were just soaking up the pressure and then they were able to deliver a good ball into their forwards. Um, and they got they got, early, they got an early goal and momentum just shifted. You could feel it in the stadium that day, lads. And, uh, you know, when the Limerick support get behind them and the energy gets into their team, you know, it was just like a tight way of coming towards us and we just couldn't stop it, to be honest with you. And, you know, we had great movement in, the, in our far lane the first half. We had we were dragging Limerick all over the pitch. We probably took them out of their comfort zone a small bit. We were getting the ball in over their half-back line and making them turn in towards their own goal. But in the second half, we were just, any ball we were getting down to landing on their half-back line and that's what they love in Limerick. And, um, yeah, they just, the energy just changed in the game and they just forced us and, Score by score, they had it back in the space of 15 minutes, which was incredible. Like, you know, and uh, yeah, from our point of view, it was very disappointing. But um, that's what this team can do to you. And, you know, they seem to be getting even better year and year. We had on Cadigan on last week, and I, I asked him the same question. If, if you could go back now into that dressing room at half time, knowing what's coming, could you do anything to stop it? 
Yeah, I suppose it was enough experience from us. In the, on, we had on the pitch that day, or to, uh, you know, you'd imagine that we should have, but they just came with such energy. And, you know, as I said, you, can, you could feel the shift in momentum. Like we, one of us should have went down with an injury or, you know, as I often said to the lads after, one of us even should have started a, a, a shamazel or a bit of a row just to break momentum after the first few minutes because it happened so quickly. You know, they were getting points, points. You know, they got the goal, you know, straight away. It was just like, you know, let someone just do something to stop momentum here. Or even we should have brought our own team back out the field towards our own backline, you know. But I suppose it's championship hurling and it's it's hot and heavy. And to make these decisions, it needs a lot of communication. And we were just overawed by the, the second half performance, really. And it, and it just, you know, especially Keane Lynch took control of that game for them. And I suppose that's in a game like that, you know, that's why to be, you know, the Winster final was so important win for Clare because they had no Keane Lynch, but he was the go-to man that day against us. And, he just single-handedly kind of dragged them back into that game, you know. I have a feeling in retrospect when this Limerick era passes and when they're all uh, retired, that that game is going to end up being one of those really important hinge points because of what happened in the first half where you guys gave one of your best performances of 35 minutes, but it turns out you did it against one of the greatest teams of all time. So, like, it's probably zero consolation to you guys <laughs> that you were all on the field when this thing happened. But, like, you know, when you think back against the battles that you had, and your team had with the greatest Kilkenny team that there has been like uh, they define that rivalry and um, this Limerick team hasn't had a great rival to go toe-to-toe with them just yet but in that one game we saw absolutely everything from them so I don't know there'll be books written about that there'll be a 30 for 30 made about that game I think <laughs> yeah unfortunately you could be right but uh, but yeah like you know as you said there this Limerick team hasn't really had a you know a team to constantly knock on their door and test him. You, know, you could say Clare this year, all right, they've played three games, you know, and they haven't been Clare over 70 minutes into three games. So, you know, maybe Clare are coming with something, but to be interesting, you know, Clare have a big, a big game to get over the first on Saturday before they can even think about playing possibly Limerick in the final. So, um, but yeah, in fairness to Clare this year, have been putting up to Limerick toe-to-toe um, to be very interesting if two men in the final now, what way to, it will go after the final. I appreciate this is a cheap question, but was it easier to play against that great Kilkenny team or easier to play against this great Limerick team? Um, Jesus, uh, to be honest, like I, I suppose I've 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 said a few times that you know I've always I always enjoyed playing against that Kilkenny team. Um, you know there was no real, you know I wouldn't say tactics, but there was no you know it was like you were going out taking on your man and it's man on man and you're beat you have to beat your man, and it was fairly straightforward you're either up to the task or you weren't. Um, you know, and I thoroughly enjoyed them games over the years. Anytime we played Kilkenny, you know, they were all fantastic games and great to be involved in. And I suppose Limerick is a bit different. I suppose the game has changed, um, I suppose, towards the latter, the latter few years there, especially in my career that, you know, Limerick probably have their own kind of way of playing, style of play. You know, they kind of suck you into their own way of playing, which is, I suppose, what every team finds hard to, to go against, but they do, they're very good at it. And, like I said before, if I was playing full back for Tipperary ten years ago, it was three and three inside in the full back line. Now against Limerick, you could be doing one and one or two and two, and there's loads of space around you. So, if I answer your question, on I, I prefer to play against the old Kilkenny team. Very good. Uh, just one one last thing I wanted to, to ask about Paddy is just like Joe was making the point earlier that um, maybe when you look at the, the odds for this weekend, that it's only a six points between Limerick and Galway, according to the bookies, that they're possibly factoring into uh, the occasion that there could be a wild sending off uh, this weekend. And, and 
these sort of moments can hinge on things that happen in, in a split second as we saw in the, the 2019 All-Ireland final for sure as well um, and I just wanted to ask you about the, the art of shouldering right now in hurling the, the impact of landing a big shoulder on somebody that momentum shifter and just how difficult it is to nail it right now because we obviously saw it in, this, in the quarterfinal uh, Dahi Burke on, on Seamus Harnady that big hit when people slowed it down people said look that was shoulder to head and maybe a different referee sends him off even though uh, live watching it I thought wow what, a, what an unbelievable shoulder that is so how heightened is, is that experience right now trying to, to nail shouldering when you're trying to, to, to put an impact or put a marker down on an opponent yeah look to be honest with you it's it's kind of dying out of the game, isn't it? Because, like, why would a player put himself in that position of probably getting, you know, you can't be, can't say, probably getting sent off because if you don't meet him shoulder on shoulder, now I I thought Dahi Burks was a brilliant shoulder, to be honest with you. I know slowing down these things probably make them a bit, look a bit worse than what they are, but, like, you're putting yourself in, in a position, you know, to, you're jeopardising your team by getting sent off. And unfortunately, you know, I feel it should be part of the game, but the way the rules are going now, if you if you anything near the head or the neck area and you're in trouble and we've seen it in the football last weekend, I know the shoulder probably bit timed a bit wrong, but you're putting yourself you're putting your team and yourself in a lot of trouble if you do go in with a tackle like that. So unfortunately it probably is dying out of the game, but it is a very difficult skill to probably nail as well and shoulder on shoulder when everything is going hundred miles an hour around you and you know, I know people often refer to my shoulder against Joe Canning a few years ago, but like if I look, if that happened now, I'm putting myself and my team in massive, massive jeopardy of get me getting sent off and the team going on to 14 players. And that's just the way the rules are gone, unfortunately. And I know if it's in the greater scheme of things, it's look after players and their health. Um, but I think, you know, there are certain ones like the Dahi Brooks shoulder, I think, you know, because Seamus Harney bounced back up off the ground straight away. There was no issue there. You know, a lot of players are strength conditioned to, to the top quality now. Um, but unfortunately, the way the rules are, I'd say these tackles aren't even being attempted to read that much anymore because, you know, there is a fair chance that you could receive a red card for the, for for your actions. So, so if you rewound the clocks to that moment with Joe Canning and put it into today's conditions with refereeing and and, and rules, would you pull out of that shoulder or just not go for it or, or tackle him in a different way? I said, look, I said, that's, when you're playing on earth, you find it in front of six thousand, and the energy is gone and. You know, you you. It's very hard to make split decisions like that. But definitely, I suppose now and now that was six years ago. Now, I suppose 2022, you would have to think about what way you are approaching the tackle. You know, maybe you might just have to stand face to face and trying to hold them up or something. But you know, as I said, it's 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 literally millimeters of the difference of you getting a red card or being a fantastic tackle. And as I said, I don't think players are going to take that chance. Um, you know the way the way the way the rules and the way the games are being officiated now. Can he practice it? Well, gee, I don't. I don't think it's something you can really practice. Like that. usually, you tackling like that, you practicing off tackle bags or something yeah. training. But I don't think it's something you can really. You might get away and train because obviously, you know, training games might be refereed obviously by the coach or whatever, and he's going to be a bit more lenient. But like as I said, I don't think it's something. Like I think Dahi Burke just timed it pretty much nearly perfect I think um, but again if he was a, a second early or second late there he was he was busted and, and Galway were in trouble so um, yeah, no, I don't think it's something I think it's something that has naturally happened or 
you just have to have a good time and have it really as, as a defender or even if it's a forward in the back. Because we were saying at the weekend, um, Owen was at the game and wasn't sure exactly in the stadium whether or not the red was justified. On TV, when they slowed it down from a different angle, you can see that, uh, well, it, it probably did deserve a red card. I think the referee made the decision or certainly had confidence in making the decision because there was blood drawn. And if you go back to your... You both ended up being blood subs. Is that right? Both yourself and Canning ended up getting blood substitutions. Um, that's right, yeah. I think I definitely went off the blood sub and you know, I split my head. But yeah, it's just the, the, the football game the weekend, like it'll be... It's been interesting. If there was no blood, would there be no card? You know, that's the thing. Would the, did the referee work off the... It was my first reaction to George Bannis when he seen the blood and the Galway player jogging off to be treated, you know, maybe that made his decision up for him, I don't know, but I think he was justified then when the, when the camera slowed down the tackle, but again, you know, if he was, you know, he'd probably take a couple of seconds to wear the Armagh player, if he was a couple of seconds later, it could have been a perfect shoulder to shoulder, you know, so yeah. um, again. And did you guys clash heads? Is that where the blood, blood came from? Well, something his head, I'd say his shoulder went into his head, was it? I don't know, I'm not too right. sure now, but, but again, then like, um, you know, when you see blood in the head area, well, obviously, t- you know, you're not supposed to be tackling someone's head, obviously. So he was hitting the head and he shouldn't have been. So I think the referee was justified with his card. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. It, I, I, it's very, because it, it's so high risk at this stage where the referee is making a split decision and the crowd are absolutely baying, in this case, metaphorically and literally for blood. So, um, look, Paulie, great stuff. Thanks a million for joining us. Enjoy the games at the weekend. Who's, who are you calling in the Clerical Kenny game? Jesus, I tell you, if you were giving me a 20 over bet now, Jar, I'd, I'd, I'd be picking a draw on Saturday's game and I'd, I'd go for Limerick by 7 to 9 point win on Sunday. And who wins the penalty shootout then? <laughs> oh, God, can we go to replay now? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, and I don't agree with that anyway. Right. Jeez. Well, we leave you on the fence for that one then, Potty. Good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Cheers. Cheers, lads. Thanks. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.